superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Are you ready? With guest host, Bobby Bones. So I got to go and spend a whole day with Jerry Jones. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. And so I've been a massive, lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan for like four months. (laughs) It was the most amazing experience. Earlier on the show, Sam Monson. Still to come, NFL Network analyst, Scott Pioli. Vanderbilt men's basketball coach, Jerry Stackhouse. Three-time Pro Bowl running back, Chris Johnson. Plus, Rich checks in from the NFL Combine. Sitting in for Rich, it's Bobby Bones. I love experts. I love experts that are friendly. And this is Scott Pioli, three-time Super Bowl champ, working in the front office of the Patriots. Sports Illustrated, NFL GM, executive of the decade for the 2000s, and the youngest to win, the Sporting News NFL Executive of the Year. Oh, boy, Scott Pioli. Scott, what's up, man? Hey, Bobby. Thanks for having me, man. This is really cool. i got to tell you, I, I got so excited when I was asked to come on. So thank you so much for having me. Hey, really s- appreciate it. Same to be able to talk to you. And the question that I want to start with is, I know at the Combine – we're talking draft and we're watching players and we're listening to their responses with the media. But are there a lot of deals not involving those specific players that are being discussed in Indy this weekend? Oh gosh. Yeah. This is, um, you know, back in the day it was a clandestine and quiet. Uh, I, I guess I work for the league. Can I say the word tampering? I'm going to say, it anyway, Bobby. <laughs> you know, conversations about potential uh, free agents, potential trades there's a lot of meetings that go on there's agents that are out here that represent players not only that are free agents um or teams maybe you know that are not happy with their situation and circumstance uh that are trying to get out of where they are so they're meeting with with you know general managers and coaches from other teams trying to find ways to make things happen in the future or, you know, in the near future. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's so much more that goes on out here. I mean, the league has competition committee meetings. There's so much that happens behind the scenes um, with teams, with the league office, with the future of the game while we're out here. Are there instances where it's not official, but maybe a GM or an assistant GM says to another team, Hey, meet me at Starbucks at noon. Off the record, we got to talk about Lamar and see, like, where nobody else knows they're meeting, and then all of a sudden the deal is struck. Absolutely. But here's what I'll tell you, Bobby it's never Starbucks. Starbucks <laughs> is too crowded and it's too popular. Okay. <laughs> There's a couple of off the grid coffee spots that I can't name because then reporters will start hanging out and revealing those um, and secret meeting places. 
Um, you know, sometimes it's just hotel rooms. You know, teams have um, specific, they have, they'll have rooms for the individual GM or head coach, and then they have rooms that stay empty until they've got to meet with somebody. Uh, but yeah, but it won't be at the Starbucks for sure. <laughs> you know, as a former GM, as one of the best to ever do it, can you give us like a perspective on the inside of what's happening between Lamar and the Ravens and what that process is like inside? Yeah, Bobby, I, I do only from the sense that, you know, particularly when I was with the Patriots, we had a couple of players who ended up representing themselves. And I'll, I'll never forget, one of them ended up being Teddy Bruschi. He had Brad Blank for most of his career as his agent, and near the end, um, he represented himself. And, and I'm talking about this situation, but it, it's very similar to Lamar. When there's no intermediary, you have to be very intentional and careful about your word selection. And it's interesting because sometimes in negotiations, everyone's trying to get to the same place, right? They, they have different, different things that they need covered from their perspective. The player wants to maximize the deal, maximize security, not only of money, but of, of their job security. They don't want just the money. And then the team, you know, wants to build a team and wants to make it work. And sometimes those negotiations, and um, Bob, you've been in negotiations, and, and you know they sometimes become competitive, especially when it's between dudes, right? Our testosterone gets going, and it becomes this competition thing. And when there's an intermediary as an agent, sometimes you can say things in frustration um, that you cannot say in the moment when you're dealing directly with the player. And I know there were times that thankfully Teddy and I had a close personal relationship too, so we were able to talk about things. But it is a very different dynamic because you have to get to a place that's going to be good for the team without ever unintentionally insulting the player. And I know Eric DaCosta is going through that right now. Um, you know, it's funny. I was in their training camp last year, and I met with both, you know, Lamar privately, and I met with uh, Eric privately, and I really thought something was going to get done. I really did, and I've not asked Eric because you know. Being a former GM, you don't like to poke into other people's business too much, but it, it is an incredibly, at times, awkward dynamic, Bobby. You know, with this dynamic, and at times I have not had an agent, and I would represent myself, and then I realized, mm. I realized that the 10% that I would be paying to my agent, and every percentage is different, but the 10% that I would be paying to my agent was worth it because they were going to make me 13% more than what I would have made, right? So there's a net gain of 3% here. In my world, the best thing I did was find an agent, then fire that one and get another one. But when it comes to Lamar, <laughs> and you're not biased in this situation at all, like, would you say, Lamar, it really would be in your best interest to have somebody help you in this process? Or is Lamar just so such a different dude that, like, you get it and you understand what he's going for? Well, I, I understand it. Uh, I, I do I don't know what to recommend for him because it's funny. You, you, you mentioned your personal situation. I was in a different but similar situation. When I was a GM, I think I was the only GM in the league or head coach that didn't have an agent for all those years. Then when I got into the media business, I got an agent because of what I didn't know and for some of the same reasons that, that you're talking about. In the case of Lamar, um, you know, each one of us makes decisions like this to have an agent or not have an agent based on our own personal history and maybe some of the ghosts chasing us in life or the the lack of trust in relationships. Maybe he hasn't found someone that could be an agent that he trusts enough. And again, I'm just speculating. There's a million reasons why. And and unless you're the individual person, I think as I've gotten older, Bobby, I've, I've learned to, um, you know, make suggestions, but 
you know, tap the brakes a little bit on advice when you don't know what a person's past and history has been, because, you know, we all have different, I I don't want to say ghost chasing us, but there's, there's a reason he's not doing it. And only he knows the reason he doesn't want an agent. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, we're all different. We all have a drum. We're marching. I mean, his, his march, though, is a little like I would just be like, dude, you can make so much more money if you just paid a little bit of money. But I'm not Lamar in every way. Like, I'm not skilled. I'm not talented. I'm not athletic. All that. <laughs> Scott Pioli's on with us. Like, one of the greatest general managers to ever do it. And I want to ask you one other question before we get into specifics about the combine. But it does involve the Pats. And can Bill O'Brien help Mac Jones get back on track? Can Mac Jones get back on track next year? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I don't know what all the dynamics were that changed this year because, you know, it's interesting. I worked as a consultant for the Alabama football program when Mac was there and Billy O was there as a coordinator, as a coordinator. And, you know, I was really confident that Mac was going to be a good player in the NFL and he had that terrific rookie year. I'm not sure unless you were in there every single day, you're not sure what the dynamics were. Was it Mac? Was it the play? We don't know what the dynamics were. Boy, he, I don't know if he, if it was digressing or if he just stayed the same, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it could be better. Billy O'Brien is one heck of a offensive coordinator. He's one heck of a football coach and he knows Mac. They've spent time together. He knows his strengths. He knows his limitations. Most importantly, he knows how to communicate with him. And that's not saying that someone else at the Patriots didn't know how to communicate with him, but he knows exactly how to motivate him and communicate him. And the other thing is this, Bobby, I think when you're talking about quarterbacks, their comfort is important. And it, when, when any one of us has a comfort and feeling of security, we can perform better. And I think the fact is, with Billy O being there, um, it's really going to help Mac out. And I, and I also think this, you know, there's a lot of people that can coordinate and organize and be prepared. Billy can do all that, and he's one heck of a play caller. Not, not all coordinators are great play callers. Billy O'Brien can do both of those things, or all of those things, I should say. I'm going to ask you about size and stature and it's going to get to Bryce Young in just a second but did you ever not draft or someone was on the fence and I don't I'm not asking the player at all but you're like you know they just didn't measure up to what we thought so we're going to have to go with person B instead of person A yeah and what what meaning did we not draft someone because of yeah the, they were a little lighter a little shorter maybe didn't yeah. run quite as fast yeah I'll say this I think I've swung in both directions and and some Titans taking risks on players that maybe didn't fit the prototype of their specific position and it's worked out. And then it's been times when it didn't work out. Then there are times where I've said, you know, maybe this isn't the best, you know, idea because he's not the prototypical body or body type or size, whether that's height or weight. Um, So I've done things in both directions uh, and been successful and then also done it and not been successful it's um that that's why i don't think there's a true formula why you can't look at bryce young and say hey you're not going to do this it's not going to work out you know because he's because of his physical stature um so i I, like i said i've been in in, in all of those places and if bryce measures in an inch or two inches shorter and 180 185 you know would that scare you away from him and i think I, i hear your answer is no and if you're a team looking to trade up, I mean, do you still, you know, pull the trigger and make that move for a Bryce Young? 
here's what I'll say the first, to answer the first question. What, would, I, would it deter me from picking him? Heck no. Again, because I've spent time around him. I've also spent time around knowing, getting to know his family. So I know what I know the total package of what you're getting. And I would love for that guy to leave my, leave my football team. Absolutely love it. And will there be limitations? Like, yeah, every quarterback has limitations. Every player in this league has limitations. And if you've got a good enough coaching staff that can not only develop the player, but put him in a position to succeed because they know his strengths and limitations, that's it. Believe it or not, early in Tom Brady's career, he had some limitations. Our coaching staff was did not only did a great job of helping him develop, and he did an amazing job of developing himself, but they put him in situations and circumstances where he could do the best that he could do. And I'll digress here for a second. Remember for the first couple of years of Brady's career, everyone was saying, well, all he does is dink and dunk. He can't throw the deep ball. Well, that was intentional because he didn't have the arm strength at the time. So we had high percentage throws. We had the extended running game, what we called you know, the short and intermediate balls. It allowed him to become confident and allowed the team to be confident. There were short passes that kept – you know, the other team's offense is off the field. We had a strong defense. It all made made sense. You have a player like Bryce Young, you play to his strengths and you allow your team to do – don't put him in harm's way because if he's got the body type that if it's under bolt, when he needs to be a smart player and not feed into the ego and when people start saying, oh, he go, oh, you know, he runs out of bounds or he goes down too soon, you can't allow your ego to feed into that and put yourself in harm's way. You guys should listen up. This is Scott Pioli, who was the Sports Illustrated GM, executive of the decade for the 2000s. The decade. Don't believe the hype. Yeah, take the notes. Take take notes. Take your pens out and listen to what he's saying. I want to talk about more analytics here. The 40 time. How valuable is that really? Um, Value, I I think you need to weight the value. And when I say weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. Hopefully I spelled that right. But you have to weight it because speed is important. But that is a proactive running. I talked about this on the network yesterday. When you're on defense, most of your speed needs to be reactionary speed and responsive speed. So there, I remember there was a player who was one of the first legit four, three guys, and he was a safety. I won't mention his name, but he's one of the first legit four, three guys. But because his body type was high hipped and because he was stiff in his hips and his knees and his ankles as a defensive back, he had to be reactively fast, right? Because when you're safety, you're seeing, you're processing, you're dropping your hips, you're breaking on the ball, and then you go. But if all of that takes too much time to see, process, drop your hips, react, and then run your 4-3, you may be running about a 4-6. So I, I think it's an important part, Bobby, that you pay attention to, but you have to evaluate playing speed. And you can see playing speed on tape. You can see playing speed in terms, you know, there's players who have faster playing speed. They play faster than what their time speed is. Jerry Rice, because he knew when to cut, how to cut. And it, it, there's this anticipatory skill that you can have and or this, just the overall anticipation to know when to make cuts because this is not a straight line game. So is it important? Yes, it's important, but it's only a piece of the puzzle because I believe in analytics but I also believe that they need to be married with the game for it to be a full picture. Final three questions. When it comes to the interview part of the combine, what is the most specific or one of the most specific questions you had to ask someone? Meaning, you're not going to ask anybody else this question, but this person coming into the room, you know, mm. maybe it's going to be funny or maybe it's going to be awkward, or, but it's a very specific question. What would you have to ask? 
Well, I, I'm trying to think of this. I wish I would have had that question last night to think about. But here's what I'll say. I think the most important questions are asking questions that are a little uncomfortable, but that you already know the answer to. Because asking someone a question about their past where there's maybe been a transgression and you know it's the truth and seeing how they handle that is a sign of maturity and also the fact of someone having grace for themselves. And I think sometimes asking questions that you already know the answer to and someone tells you the truth, it's a good way to start a relationship, even if it made that person uncomfortable. And I think it allows both sides to, to, to start a relationship in a good place. I, I, I hope I articulated that well enough. Yeah, and I didn't have the question last night. I literally just came up with it now. I'm pretty proud of myself. So, I'm a, <laughs> But you're here now is me patting myself on the shoulder for a great question, Scott. Okay, two questions left. <laughs> Which former players, or excuse me, yeah, let's do former. And, and even today, what you've seen over the last couple of days, like let's do one or two former players that you saw at the Combine and they wowed and you're just like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. This is amazing. And then give me one or two from so far Ooh. what you've seen at the Combine. That I've seen so far yeah. today, uh, or, or, or yesterday, or yesterday. Yeah. Um, I would say a wow moment yesterday was um, probably, um, you know, watching Nolan Smith. That was a wow moment uh, for his size to run what was a sub four four forty. Um, that was a wow moment. Um, again, because he he here's a player who had. Part he missed the season last year. We had something taken away from him, so all he could do was train mostly in one specific area, and that because he couldn't lift because he tore his pec, and he could only control what he could control. What he did yesterday, I mean, is was mind blowing. And again, I don't know if you saw the time yesterday. I did a record number of guys. It's but the, but Nolan Smith for him to do that, it told me so much about him because that's the only you know he had to he had to prepare for certain things and he did it to the best of his ability give me one old school even like five seven ten years ago same situation you're there we know them now as a great player but you were like dang i can't believe what i just saw you know I, i'm gonna go with a, it was a combo kind of thing it was a, what i saw and what i heard it was when we met with eric berry um at kansas city before we drafted remember the safety i do eric berry came a pro bowler Honestly, I think had it not been for him uh, having cancer, probably would have had a gold jacket. Still one of my absolute, complete, total favorite um, experiences, spending time and watching him interact with people, just because he, he's truly one of the one of the great NFL teammates. If, if there was a... He should... I, I can't call him a Hall of Famer. If he had... Had a time, he was certainly a Hall of Fame teammate. Love and respect him. And, and again, this experience here, it, because I think it's not just about people get so focused because of, of what we put on TV at the NFL Network, but there's so much more to this that you can see. You watch how they interact with the people that are serving them here on the sidelines, in between drills, at meals, people that open the doors. and clean. When you pay attention to see who they are as human beings, Bobby, Again, we're building a team. We're not just looking for the biggest, fastest, strongest. You're looking for the right people to have a championship team. Last question. What's the best Bill Belichick? Oh, go, what'd you say, Scott? You got to go? No, then, and after the last question, no, no, after the last question, there's, I, I need one more minute to, to say one other thing, but please go ahead. You got I thought you were going to give me an uncomfortable question to see if I was ready. I thought I was getting tested for the, <laughs> the combine right now. Okay, last question. For me, what's the best Bill Belichick draft day story 
or most memorable that you have from your time in New England? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's still family. I don't know if I can share that. <laughs> Your most shareable. How about that? Your most shareable yeah, my, that we would think was cool. Shareable. Yeah. Um, um, there, there was a year that we were going to, I'll just say that we were talking about um, drafting a, a an offensive lineman. Sometimes Bill Bill's very, he's far funnier than people believe. Um, there were times where, the, you know, he um, he would be, hard line about something but it was either a test or he would be doing it in a joking way for kind of for the for the humor element and i remember we're in this meeting and we had we were talking about uh logan mankins and bill i think for theater um which he doesn't do often but he was being very funny about it because i knew he loved logan mankins too and we had the 32nd pick that year in the draft and there were a number of other players that, you know, we were hoping were going to be at 32. And he had said in a meeting previously in front, in front of some of the scouts, and again, I think he did it somewhat for theater because he knew that I loved fat linemen too much, <laughs> offensive and defensive linemen, and he was a skilled position guy. And he had said in this meeting, he says, I don't care if that effing guy is John Hanna. We ain't taking a guard in the first round. And he, he was... I knew he didn't mean it, and all, and all the, the people in the meeting, there were people are sitting there like, oh, my gosh. And sure enough, days later, we're in the first round of the draft. The couple of guys that we have that we would take ahead of Logan Mankins, I mean, the, the, the board's picked cleaner than a two-day-old turkey after Thanksgiving, and there is Logan Mankins staring us in the face. And I wanted Logan so bad. And deep down inside, I know Bill did. And Bill just smiled at me and was like, F you, put the card in. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those moments because there were people that didn't, there were people in draft room that had been in that other meeting. And and I know Bill wanted Logan Mankin just as much as I did. And, but it was a funny moment because I think, again, the theater of the day before or the two days before, there were a couple of scouts like, oh, my gosh, if we're going to have to take Logan Mankin, Bill's going to be pissed. It was, it was actually a very funny moment the way it unfolded. That's a great story. If that's like the ninth story in the rankings of good, that's still a great story. I can't imagine the ones you can't tell, Scott. Oh, yeah. The floor <laughs> yeah, is yours, Scott. What would you? Hand. Well, you know, here's what I want to say to you, Bobby, and I mean this sincerely because I don't know you, but I, I follow you and and I know about you. And I got to tell you, I just have enormous respect for you, your path, your history, your um, your life, and what you've overcome. And I mean it sincerely. Um, just want to let you know that I, I really couldn't wait to be on the show for that reason because I have so much personal. Even though I don't know you personally, I have this personal respect for you and your path and the way you, that you've done things and all that you overcame. And for folks that just listen to you and don't know your story, I hope they get to know you a little bit better. So, so kudos to you, my brother. Well, Scott, I, that, that is super kind. So thank you very much. I'm a massive fan of you as well. And like I said, you were the GM of the decade. What else can you say? I've done nothing of the decade. I've done nothing. I have no of the decades <laughs> in my whole life. So, Hey, Scott, thank you. I know you have a busy day today. So thank you for spending a few minutes with us and I hope it goes awesome. The rest of the rest of the camp. All right. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's it. That's what you wanted to know. You got it. Next up, Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, how can you be great at two different things? Pros and college. Jerry Stackhouse coming up next. Bobby Bones in for Rich Eisen. 
Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, on with us right now, Coach Jerry Stackhouse. Coach, let me ask you, how long does it take to come down from a huge win like you had the other night against Kentucky? Last second shot, big win, and like big ending to the game. How long can you remain on that high? I mean, obviously it was a big win for us. Uh, we hadn't, I think, probably three times in our program history that we've actually gone to rump. I mean, we're up and win, and uh, but again, we've been having some really good games with them since we, our time been here, um, both on the road and, and and at home, and to finally get over the hump felt good. But I mean, I, mean, I think when you look at our guys, we played in a number of, of close games. Felt like we were battle tested. I, mean, I think that it was a testament to to our guys, even after the game. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of celebration. Um, again, we have you know bigger bigger task at hand, and, and that's finishing well and trying to beat us. You know, get stack as many wins as we can to try to build our resume. Uh, but that, that was definitely a big one. That team was playing well. You know, ranked in the top 25. I mean, it's Kentucky. Kentucky's been the cream of the crop for the SEC for for a long time, and and we finally got a chance to to chip away at them. So it was it, it felt good. But again, we were locked in yesterday, guys. Uh, watched the film from the game. Started to prepare for uh, Mississippi State, and and right now in a couple hours we're, we're practicing really lock in on them and hopefully we have a, a, a great, you know, closing to our season tomorrow night at home. You've won seven of your last eight. Do you believe your team deserves to be in the tournament? Uh, man, we play, yeah, we definitely deserve to play in the tournament. I think, you know, it's about finishing strong and we've had some, had some missteps early in the season, but I think that's what early in the season is about, trying to figure out, you know, we played a lot of players, played a lot of young guys. You know, we had a team last year that, um, you know, that featured Scotty Pippen, who probably had the most usage, uh, one of the highest usage in the country. And then, you know, from that, coming back to this team, trying to figure out some identities of, of who need to kind of, you know, different roles and different things like that. Um, it took us a little while to adjust, but but through that, we had some some quality wins. We, you know, played, you know, beat Pittsburgh, beat, beat Temple. 
Um, uh, you know, before we got into our schedule, we had a really close game with NC State on on a neutral court. So I mean, I think we've we've shown um, that that we're capable of, of beating anybody. So now, you know, now that we're playing our best basketball, we lost one game in February, and that, that was probably to you know a game that a lot of people felt that we shouldn't on the road at LSU. But um, again, it's just tough to win in the SEC on the road, and then we starting off March, you know, you know, with the with the big win at Kentucky again. You know, hopefully we, that that can be our resume going into the tournament. We had one loss in um, February and March going into the tournament, so ho- hopefully that's enough for us. But either way, we can only control what we can control, and that's that's going out and try to win games and, and hopefully continue to build the resume that's needed. I've been to a Vanderbilt game a year for the last few years, and be, living in Nashville, I have noticed even at the games the crowds louder, the crowds more involved, even from before the game. And Vanderbilt, not always known as a school that would have people just, you know, like, like tenacious, like fans that just don't stop. But this year, it has yeah, gotten man, to a I, point, I mean, yeah. We, we heard about the Memorial Magic, man. We're starting to finally see it and come to fruition for us again. It's just part of the byproduct of winning, man. A lot of excitement. Are, um, you know, these, these kids, this, this four-year class here that's enjoying this season, I mean, they've gone through a tough year. I mean, they, these kids came in, you know, COVID was a big part of their uh, you know the death story, and now to have some of these great storylines of, of of beating Tennessee at home and, and beating Kentucky in their year, they they're enjoying it, and they they've been coming in there raising raising a lot of hell in Memorial Gym. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, and then it's just kind of a, you know the growth of our city, growth of Nashville, man. So many people moving here. We're, we're trying to tap into um, a lot of transients, you know, let them know that we you know playing a great brand of basketball. If you're looking for you know a team, come on, we. we we're excited to have you as fans. So, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of things to try to continue to generate excitement, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know nurture our, our relationships with our fans that have been, you know, long-standing fans for a long time. You ever think about changing that court? Because it is, it is weird. Well, you know, you know. Never, never, never. Yeah, I mean, never. it's weird, Coach. It's hard. It's always weird. That's, that's our advantage, man. No, no. It's, you know, it got, it got a little, you know, took a little to get used to when I first got here, but, but I kind of, I like it. I mean, it's, you know, it kind of sits up, you know, the, with the theater seat, man, it has its own mystique and, and, it, and it provides a, a nice home court advantage for us. So I, mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great part of college basketball. Coach Jerry Stackhouse on with us, head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. When you look at coaching and how you do it, what former coach do you feel like you've taken a lot of lessons from by watching how they did it? Um. Well, I mean, I had a number of coaches, man. I probably had probably more coaches than anybody in the history of <laughs> basketball as far as a player, you know. <laughs> but I think, but I think probably more so than anything, still Coach Smith. The what I learned from him at UNC, just his identity and how he approached the game and sharing, you know, sharing and being selfless, um, having it always been about the team. And I think those those are things that I've learned from, you know, the guy coaches I played for, whether it was Rick Carlisle, the um, Avery Johnson is a guy that you know stood out. Uh, uh, I think Dwayne Casey is a guy that I worked for when I was you know working with the Raptors. Uh, just just learn. I mean, Rick Scott Skiles. I mean, I played for a number of different co- uh, coaches that I've, I've taken a little bit from and kind of find a way to incorporate it into my own philosophy and identity. But um, but no, it's a lot a lot of a lot of mentors, a lot of people that. Um, you know the things that we do and the success that we've had has come from from things that I've I've learned from them and, and tried to devise a good plan um, myself. All right, final three questions for Coach Jerry Stackhouse. Number one, when you look at the NBA now, and I'm sure you don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of NBA because 
you're completely involved. But who's a player that you see as like a, a, a pretty good comp to you and how, how you played and how you were built back in the day? Oh, um, man, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I do watch a lot of NBA games. I mean, obviously, um, Brandon Ingram still one of, one of my kids that I coached from my hometown. You know, so I catch a lot of Pelicans games whenever I can. Um, I think, you know, just you know, kind of his hard. I mean, he's a much better uh, overall ball handler than, than I did. But I think uh, downhill and being able to post and some of the things I tried to work with him on, he he embodies a lot of the things that I that, that I did on the court. But, um, man, just it's, it's, it's a different game, man. You know, a lot of, a lot of people play in that mid-range area. A lot of, you know, with you know wings posting up. I did a lot of posting up. As well, um, and then you remember those games were just kind of grounded out games in those '90s and 2000s, you know. And now they're they averaging 120 points a game. I mean, we, we were lucky <laughs> to get 85, and, but you know, just just a, just a different era, man. But I definitely enjoy still watching and watching the talent. I mean, I know there's always an argument about the old schools and what's going on now, but I, I still think it's great basketball and just um, just different eras. All right, two questions left. Right now. At your age, we're about the same age here. Could you take every player on your team one on one? Yeah, and, and half court. As long as I'm you know, around the basket, five, you just spots to, to five, man, I, I still like my chance. Could you take them off the dribble right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, again, I'm a smart. I ain't going to do that. I'm going I'm to I'm back them down. All right. And I'm going to use this old man's strength on them. You know what I'm saying? I've earned this. I've earned this 48 years of strength. I'm going I'm, 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 take advantage of what I have. Last question for Coach Jerry Stackhouse. You know, this being a national radio show, a show that's on TV, a show that's podcasted to millions of people, you know, maybe there are a few folks listening right now that are making that decision on who's getting into the tournament. What would you like to say to those folks, if, if you could, what about Vanderbilt? No, I just, I just that's the facts, man. Just looking at, you know, our, you know, our strength our strength of schedule, uh, what we've been able to do there. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, right now we probably rank like 17th in, in, in the country, you know, strength of schedule, third toughest schedule in, in our conference. Uh, we played 18 quad, won two games, you know, and, and, you know, eight and 10 in those games. And, you know, obviously our, our net, you know, that, that's the, not the one that to look at for us, but I, I think the other, um, the other metrics are, you know, show us in favor. So give us an opportunity. Our kids are playing. They deserve it. And I, I think just our, our guys, I mean, the ones that's been here four years and, and seen, what we've done, we took over program from 0 and 18, and now we're right here on the bubble of, um, you know, of being a tournament team. We love to love to get there, and hopefully, these kids get a chance to showcase that and experience that. The definition of building a program. I've seen it with my own eyeballs at close range. Coach Stackhouse, appreciate your time and good luck. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. Think about the pressure it was, and maybe it wasn't pressure. I don't know when they called him the next Jordan coming out of. College. I mean, he's from North Carolina, same size. Right. Same. Shaved head. And yeah, it's like he's in build. the next Jordan. Like, you either have to fully embrace it or be like, I hate this. There's really no middle ground to that. And I, it, he has built. Like, there's something. There's, a, there's, there's some Nashville love that's been happening. And Nashville's a town, which is not my hometown, but I live there now. Nashville's a town that it's mostly people from everywhere. It's like L.A. a bit, where you can come in and be a fan of a new team well, they're like the, the Titans, the Titans fans from everywhere, the, the Preds, they ain't even a team that long. So nobody hates on them for jumping on because everybody's a bandwagon fan for the Preds because <laughs> they, haven't been, they haven't been around long enough to have like generational fans. Yeah. But it's, you, it's Vanderbilt's bubbling in town where people are starting to be like, all right, let's check it out. So uh, good luck to Coach Stackhouse in the, 
I guess two, maybe one game left in the SEC tournament to, against everybody but Arkansas. There you go. I didn't say that to him, though. <laughs> they did let me use the court, though, for some pickup. Took all my friends out, played, played a Vanderbilt court. It was yeah. awesome. It's the coolest. I hate how the seating is because the court is flat and then off the sides is where the teams sit. Yeah, I'm not yeah. into that either. Yeah. But. I, I tried to get him to change it right there. That didn't work. <laughs> you were very good to your friends. I'm picking up on this. That's one thing about We you, need to man. get into this inner circle, well, TG. I think that's it, how it, it, it really is. I feel like, like my friends that have been running with me forever, like my radio show now in the morning called The Bobby Bone Show, it is me and all my friends. They've never worked in radio. We've been together for like 15, 16. We, we were just doing it on one station. And so... I just found my friends because they made me feel the best. So with that, I could perform the best. And so all my main people mm-hmm. are just my friends who had never worked in radio. And so I also have big trust issues, you know, <laughs> so I won't bring anybody in. I don't even trust you guys. Even uh, you know, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to come back. I, I do want to get to you guys and your top media personalities of your lifetime. I'll quickly reset mine. I want to know who that is. We'll do that. And then a shoulder injury that I'm dealing with. Oh, yeah, it's pretty tough. I'm here. The, the fact that I'm here doing this show should be a Disney movie. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk to Rich Eisen coming up in just a little bit. Bobby Bones in for Rich. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger, with supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Okay, what's the most boring yet realistic place that each of these quarterbacks could go? So if Rodgers goes, and I go Rodgers first, if Rodgers goes, I'm going to go to Green Bay. That's boring. That's, that's the most boring option of all the options that he could go. So let's go Rodgers first. Is there anybody that doesn't think that's the most boring solution? I, I, yeah, and you're not going to like my answer, Bobby. Go. I think the most boring place he Don't could do go it. is... Don't do it. I, I, honestly, and I know he's building a house there, <laughs> but the most boring place Aaron Rodgers can go is the Tennessee Titans. Why do you say that? Who is on the team with Trey him? Traylon Burks. Uh, who is that again? Did exactly. He, did he finish the season? Like, well, they have, de- yes. have Derrick Henry. Awesome. But is it... What's more boring than acquiring Aaron Rodgers than having Aaron Rodgers hand the ball off? But he wouldn't. 
Who's he throwing to? Traylon Burks. Him? He's just going to throw it to Traylon Burks? That's all he needs. 45 times That's all he game. needs. <laughs> that's it. Okay, that's fair. What do you think, TJ? The most, the most boring? Yeah, for Aaron Rodgers. You would hate to see him go where because, like, who cares? It's boring. Same I mean, thing. I, I don't care, period. But That works, um, too. I tell you where it wouldn't be the most boring is New York. This just see that confrontation with those media folks. But I got kind of agree with Brockman on that. No offense to Tennessee. What's wrong with you guys? But, you would rather, it's more boring for him to go to the Titans and back to the Packers. Yeah, because with at least with the Packers, like you've got some young, talented wide receivers. Like I'm, I'm interested like, to see what, what Christian Watson, Watson does, can yeah. do. Okay. You know, I had him in fantasy this year, and he had about a four game stretch where you were like, okay, this kid's got it. So there's, you know, I'd like to see, again, it doesn't matter to me, but it would be kind of interesting to see him work with those receivers and see how year two, year yeah. three could go. So it's I think, exactly. yeah, the most boring would yeah, exactly. be. exactly. Year two with all these young guys, uh, whether or not Aaron Jones comes back, but they still have A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones is coming back, right? Didn't they re- he, did he, he restructure? Yeah, I, I think he, he did Well, restructure. there was some rumors that he might, might get cut or anything for a cap casualty. But, yeah. I just hear haters in the house. We'll move on to the next one. That's fine. <laughs> m- m- most boring place Derek Carr could go. Ooh. Not hating, just fact stating. I- I'm going to go Saints because I get why he would go there. We talked about it with Scott Pioli. Yeah. Like, he'd go to that division, be the best quarterback there. Uh, they could actually do it. But I'm going to go Saints. I'd, like, I'd love to see him with the Jets. I'd love to see him yeah. with the Raiders. I'd love to see him in a place where he could be dynamic. But he already was with the Raiders. I'd love for them to sign him back. That'd be awesome. <laughs> just bring him back. Just be like, oops, our bad, come back. Yeah, like, let's go back. <laughs> that would be fun for me. That would be awesome. Like him and now Josh McDaniels are buddies all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, Carolina seems like kind of a boring spot for mm-hmm. Derek Carr. Uh, while it's a fit, they got some young players. They got rid of their best player. So I don't know how that meshes when you bring in a guy like Derek, who has had a lot of success in this league. Yeah, it's much more exciting if Derek goes to the Jets just because it seems like they're ready to win now and uh, you know only a quarterback away, as we saw last year. Um Derek Carr isn't, uh, he in a weird way is kind of a boring player. I don't think so. I think he's only boring because the Raiders sucked on defense and he never had a shot. Uh, That might be true too. (laughs) I think, again, when you look at all the stats and how the Raiders had the worst defense for every year that he was, I don't think he was given a fair, I I like Derek Carr. If you cry at a press conference, I'm in. I don't care how good you are. No, I'm I'm totally with you. Exciting to me. All right, next one up. Lamar. Him re-signing in Baltimore is pretty boring. If he goes to the Commanders for some weird reason, and the only reason I say commanders is because that's he could drive he could still stay in the same house. Yeah, that's true. He could drive there. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean that's right. what I that's what yeah, I would, that's true. like if I'm gonna leave Baltimore and another team's gonna bid and it's like the, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> it's like staying with the club, same thing. Like I wanna stay in my house and I already like got my soap there, got my yep. pillows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bald he'll end up in Baltimore, obviously. They'll tag him unless somebody comes along and offers some. Uh, but Lamar Baltimore's pretty boring, but that, that's Staying it. with Baltimore is pretty boring because they have a boring offense, you know, outside of the cool things that Lamar does when the ball's in his hand, you know. But, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator now. Uh, the wide receivers are taking shots at the GM because the GM's taking shots at the wide receivers. They get some more kind of TJ dynamic players on the outside for Lamar Jackson. Suddenly, that's a really kind of fun and interesting offense. Mm-hmm. Talk about a fun, sexy place for Lamar to go. How about Atlanta? That's my pick. I'd love for him to go to Atlanta. That'd be amazing. Man, that would be really fun. But Drake London mm-hmm. and, and Kyle Pitts, like suddenly now you got the fast, you got kind of a Michael Vick 2.0 vibe, but like, you know, with that MVP, you know, resume, it yeah. uh, could be fun. And you see what Lamar's done with Mark Andrews. So, and we've all kind of been waiting on Kyle Pitts because yeah. we all saw the type of talent he has, but he hasn't kind of lived up to it in the league yet. So now you Good can call. see, well, what if Lamar can work that Mark Andrews magic with Pitts kind of, 
help him get to where everyone thought he should be at this point. In it's hard career. for us to think of these players are real life human beings, right? With like real life emotion. We see them as superstar athletes on a pedestal that sure. we don't think about. If you're Lamar, do you think a factor to keep you from going to Atlanta, if you were going to go, would be you don't want to be compared to Mike Vick every single day? Because that's going to be the story. Here he is. He's, he's a, lot, a lot like Mike Vick, even though they run fast, but they don't play the same way. Right. But I think that would just be constant with him. Yeah, and in, a, in another weird way, too, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets talk. Like, suddenly he's oh, just same. like Brett yeah. Favre. Yeah. You know, his career's kind of playing out the same way, which is a little strange. So, yeah, I totally hear you on the Lamar stuff. If Jimmy G goes to the Texans, that's so boring to me. That's, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I'm out. I was never in, but I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I would hate for Jimmy. That, that to me, yeah, is boring. It just seems like whoever the Texans take in the draft, they're going to be the starter week one whether it's Stroud or Will Levis or Bryce Young or whomever, yeah. Baker, worry about Mayfield. Where would you even like to see him? Man. Because I feel like the guy deserves a shot. I think he played well enough for the Rams coming in, not knowing really anything. But week one, come from behind, big victory, didn't have his weapons really. Do you think Baker Mayfield, who would you have, Baker or Matt Ryan? Oh, you had to pick one of them gosh. to start. It's Baker. It's, yeah, well, it's probably yeah. Baker. You know, TJ, we bring it up a lot. You know who would be fun with Baker Mayfield is the Bucks. Yeah, They got some weapons down there for him. It seems like it's Rashad White season next year with, with uh, Fournette yep. uh, seemingly going to get cut in a couple weeks. But And as we said, uh, you know, a few days ago, the fact that they've got those two weapons in, in Evans and Godwin, no one's really talking about who the quarterback is or Seems like no one's talking about someone going there to replace right, Brady. Right. So, what about know. the Raiders? The Raiders. What about Baker to the Raiders? I don't see it. I, I just see them going in kind of a fresh start, new young player. Let's bring him in, grow our own guy, develop, coach him up. Whether that's no you know, Jimmy G though, huh? I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously the McDaniel's connection for Jimmy G there, but. Maybe, maybe he's a placeholder until whoever they draft is ready to go. Maybe they take, uh, maybe the Raiders take a shot on Anthony Richardson, who has you know kind of the Oof. maybe the most talent raw, you gotta, but raw. You, un, but you take Baker too if untapped. you take Richardson. You don't think Richardson's going to play his first year, yeah, it right? Seems like that's a Mahomes situation where you let him sit and learn for a year, maybe give him some garbage time in the last couple of weeks if you're out of it. So Matt Ryan, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, Matt maybe, Ryan man. and Richardson. Oh man. Okay, so earlier I mentioned the top five media personalities in my life. Jim Rome, John Madden, Harry Carey, Bill Simmons, and then the Rich and Dan Patrick and Craig Kilborn, Robin Roberts squad there. Like, as, as my life goes, those were the most impactful to me. Chris, I'm coming to you. When you look back in your life, top media personalities that you loved or that have affected you? I think number one, it's Chris Berman. When I was a young kid, really getting into the sports, and that was my thing, late 80s, uh, Berman was the guy. Uh, Sunday, Sunday primetime, uh, sports centers. He was calling baseball games. The West Coast Hotel California. Like that was. I loved it. Loved the nicknames. The nicknames as a kid. I it thought it was, was hilarious. Uh, yeah, when I'm 10 years old, it was the coolest thing in the world. And like, I wanted to be Chris Berman in the worst way. We had the same initials. I thought was awesome. <laughs> Chris, I thought was great. Oh, a guy named Chris can be a broadcaster. Like I thought it was cool. Mm. And uh, man, that was the guy. He was my number one for me. Anybody locally that you would hear? You know, locally when we moved to Maine when I was 12. Uh, there was a guy on Channel 6, he's no longer with us, Bruce Glazier, was like kind of the local guy, this like little short dude, and he was out there, we'd see him at all the games, he was uh, around on the sidelines when I played uh, high school football and basketball and baseball, and like he was always there, and my mom used to work at a hardware store, and he came through her line once, 
and she got him to autograph her pay stub. Let's go. And I, yeah. I was like, to Chris Bruce Glazier, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever when I was 13 and 14 years old. And so I had it, like, on my dresser at home. So, yeah, yeah, he was the kind of the local guy for me. TJ? Uh, when you look back at these in your life, who was, who was it for you? Well, I, I got to give a shout-out, I guess, to a couple guys who wrote for the Altoona Mirror, where I'm from in Altoona, Pennsylvania. There was uh, Jim Lane and Neil Rudell, and they were kind of the guys who I just every day read because it's, like I said, hometown guys, hometown paper. Then, you know, the Sports Center era started, some with Brockman, like you have your Chris Bermans. But even, you know, around that same time, there was Nick Charles and Fred Hickman. You know, they did CNN and... You know, Van Orr Wright, he, he's a he's a, a, a favorite of ours, you know. And then locally, you know, where I'm from, we had Bob Prince doing Pirates Radio. So I'd spent a lot of time listening to Bob Prince on the radio. We also got a lot of uh, Braves games for WTBS. So that was Skip Carey. So that was a voice that I heard a lot, along with, you know, I'm a Mets fan. So Ralph Kiner, Tim McCarver, Steve Zabriskie. You claim like 32 teams. What's happening? How do you have so many teams? Like every segment, he's got a new team that he loves. He's the best. There's, a, there's only two. I've only, there's two. I've heard that. Sure, but you're like. Pittsburgh, all I, the teams there. I never said the, I'd like the Steelers. The Mets. <laughs> I like the, the Mets, yes. The Cowboys. I like the Cowboys. The, I mean, it just feels Let's like... Let's go to college basketball. Yeah. yeah oh, who's your college basketball team? How many? I've got like three. Okay, so you can't. That's the thing. You can't. That's it. <laughs> this is the best. I mean, this is every, This is what's wrong. If you look at the graphic here, but it's, it's, team, not it's every team behind him that he's a fan of. Florida State, Penn State, let's go. Penguins, Duke, as, Clippers. As I've said many times, there's a reason be t- behind every one of these. And yeah, because you want to attach yourself to a winner. Well, yeah, look well, at those. One of them the, have to win. Exactly. The Mets have really done a lot. The Cowboys have really done a lot lately. No. <laughs> First of all, I don't count college. There's 150, 170 D1 schools, so liking more than one doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It does. Oh, I like okay. one football team. Oh my God. We're coming back with Rich from the Combine. I'm Bobby Bones. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Oh my God. Rich is next. <laughs> that that picture of you with all the teams, mm-hmm. that's everything wrong with sports. That's everything right with sports. That can claim, because you're like somebody who has three fantasy football teams. Okay. Or six brackets that you fill out differently, because you just attach yourself to whichever one was the best, and the other ones you don't talk about, probably. No, that is 1,000% not true. So you don't know the story. I like don't. I said, there's a story behind every one of those. And when we talk professional teams, I like one baseball team and then major league team. I like... One NFL team. I have two pro teams, but the reason being, I grew up in Pennsylvania, lifelong Sixers fan, moved here in 99, did not want to root for the Lakers, so I attached myself to the Clippers. So for 20 years, I've been going to Clippers games, season ticket holder. So those. So are you attach t- yourself to a team just simply out of spite of the other team? Yeah. Okay. For sure. If you had to eliminate one from your life, would it be the Clips? You know, Rich asked me that. He was like, Perfect. if... Which team would you rather have win, the Sixers or the, the Clippers? And that, that's tough. I've liked the Sixers longer, but I live in L.A., you know, so it's kind of the weird thing. That's I, not a weird thing. You should just pick the Sixers. You, are you, you consider yourself a loyal guy in general? Yeah, of course. I've been loyal enough that I've stuck with these teams who've stunk for years. The Sixers haven't but won. you have t- some that are good. Have you yeah, I mean, 42 like, up there? Who? You have 42 teams behind you well, on this only, picture. There's only eight, bro. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look. We're going to come back. Rich is coming up. And then we'll talk to Chris Johnson. Fastest guy. As Being a kid, Chris Johnson, and I want everybody. We'll come back with him. Coming up, Bobby Bones here for Rich Eisen.